kick off our series called Next Level, and we want to get to the next level in our understanding of the Scripture so that we can get to our next level in being who God has called us to be in every aspect and every area of our life. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1 today, verses 1 through 4. We'll move around a little bit. And uh, my wife, I was talking to her about the, the sermon today, and she said, well, I thought it was going to be in the Old Testament. Uh, we are going to look at the Old Testament a lot. What I, what I don't want you to mistake in me saying is, is that we really need to see just the Old Testament or we really see, need to see just the New Testament. What we need to do is we need to have a, a better understanding of both the New Testament and the Old Testament so that we can better understand both. You see, if we have a good New Testament understanding, it gives us a lens through which to see the Old Testament so that we can properly understand what the Old Testament was about. And sometimes that's tough because we don't know how to do that. We don't, and it took, it took a long time, and I'm still, you know, obviously I'm still learning too, but uh, it, it's really tough sometimes to know how to read the Old Testament and how to understand the Old Testament and how to apply it to our lives. Because when we get into the Levitical system and we get into the law and the sacrifices and this, all these things, we're looking at it going, I, don't, I have no idea. You know, I just stop reading because it doesn't make any sense to me. I read it and I say, oh, that's good. Uh, but that's then and this is now. So how do we understand that and how does that affect our lives? Because the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God is what we need to understand and implement into our lives. This sermon this morning is coming out of Hebrews chapters, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And what I want to do is I want to set up for you the next several weeks of what we're going to be talking about. This sermon is called The Office. A little play on words. Uh, it's it's talking about who Jesus is, the office that he held, and what he came here to do, looking at three aspects. It's the threefold office of Christ. The threefold office of Christ consists of three offices that Jesus held. It was, he was the prophet, the priest, and the king. And listen, if you take notes, please take notes today. If you don't take notes, Please take notes today. I want you to learn. I want you to go deeper. Maybe you don't have to take notes. Maybe you just got a really good memory. I want you to pay attention today because this should effectively change your life and how you do ministry and how you understand the Bible and how you understand what you are to do in your life as a result of who Jesus is. We're looking at the threefold office of Christ. We're going to be looking at Jesus Christ as prophet, priest, and king and how that relates to us. Now, the next two weeks after this, we will dive deeper and unpack more the office of prophet and what that means for us. And a prophet is a messenger of God, someone who delivers God's word. It is uh, the mouthpiece of God. Uh, and then for the next three weeks after that, we're going to look into the priestly office of Christ and we will unpack things like the tabernacle. And we'll probably spend most of the time talking about the tabernacle. That way, when you read in the Old Testament, it talks about the ritualistic system. It talks about the sacrifices and the blood being thrown around everywhere and, and the veil that separates between God and men. You'll say, oh, okay, I see now. Now what that is because I want to show you the tabernacle system, the priestly office, and I want to show you what, Je what that means about Jesus and therefore what that means about you, okay? And then lastly, we'll spend a couple of weeks on the kingly office of Jesus Christ, what that means for us, what that means for the Old Testament, and how we are to change our lives and emulate and be like Jesus Christ. So before we get in, let's pray and ask the Lord to open up our eyes I want you to please pray for me because I want to preach this with clarity. I do not want it to be over your head. I do not want it to be soft or watered down. I want, it, I want you to understand what I'm saying, but I want it to challenge you. And I want it to open up your eyes to maybe some things that you've seen before but had forgotten, maybe some new things. So let's pray for that. 
Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends and my family here. I pray for those who are under the sound of my voice, not because I'm a good speaker or a good preacher, but because I really want them to see your word. If it's not, if it's not coming through clear, then I'm just running my mouth and wasting everybody's time. And so, God, I pray that you would help me where I fail. God, forgive me uh, for where I have let you down. God, I pray that you would be with the words that are coming out, that they would be glorifying you. Lord, I pray for the ears that these words would enter, that they would be uh, supernaturally and inclined to see the truth that are in them. God, I pray that our hearts would be softened and that your glory would rest upon us. I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we, as we move forward, I want to show you a couple of things because as we look at who God has called us to be and who God has called us to be as a church, I want to show you a couple of things that we've progressed through, that some things that have been happening at the Well Campus. And uh, I, want to, I want to show you, before we get into the offices of Christ, I want to show you how the well is seeking to get to the next level as well. And I want to show you some progress that has been made and kind of, kind of give you a little bit of a commercial here. This is the guys working. We did this this weekend. Uh, We've got our last bid in on the pavement, and we, uh, we need to raise $60,000 to get our pavement in, to get our parking lot in. This is just to hold people when they pull over there, okay? If not, we don't have anywhere for them to park. They could park right there a little bit right now, but the whole back area is going to be parking too. Uh, these guys came over. They started busting it out. They've putting up walls. Go ahead and click to the next one. Had about 10, 15 guys over there. I don't know, they were working really hard. I was over there for a couple of hours that morning and they were building the stage. Now the auditorium's been painted. The floor's been etched. We've got to clean up the floor a little bit and paint the floor. They're working on the stage right now. Go ahead and go to the next one. What we wanna do is we're gonna start fundraising. I've to I told you it's coming. We're gonna start fundraising on February 1st. Now, it, this is going to take a joint effort for all of us because we need to have an established home to where we can do ministry out of continually and not have to worry about so many things. We can take some things off of our place so that we can put that energy and that effort somewhere else. And so God has supplied us with a building. We just need to get it to where we can use it and go over there. Right now, there's no place to hold worship and there's no place to hold our kids. We won't take too much longer on the place to have worship and we can have a, a sanctuary that we can go into and we can worship, but then we don't have anywhere for the kids and right now we don't have any we're for them to park. So going on to the next one, they're working hard. We've got the stage busted out. We've got to get the floor onto the stage. The speakers are going to go up under the stage. Everything needs to be wired. But this is progress right here. This is progress. It won't be long now that we will be standing on that stage and we will be preaching and teaching and singing in our own facility. Praise be to God. Amen. Now, I want you to pray about how God is going to use you to help us to get the parking lot in and to get the Kidwell areas in. Uh, we'll start fundraising February 1st. Go ahead and start first. Go ahead and start praying about how you're going to give and what you're going to do. And I want to tell you this, too, and I need to move on from this. $60,000 is a lot of money. But let me break that down for you to show you it's not as much as you might think. Say there's 200 people in the room, okay? If each one of you would this week set aside 20 bucks, $20, okay? You, most of us spend that on Red Bull or some of us spend it on cigarettes. Set aside $20 for the kingdom of God, okay? 200 people in the room, $20 a person, how much is that? That's $4,000 in one week, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of math to go 10 weeks, how much is that? Huh? $40,000. That's $20 a week. And I know some of you in here could do $100 a week because you got it like that. 
Some of you could go ahead and throw 10,000 in there. That's for you and God. Open up your heart. Give as Christ has given. And we can be over here and we can be doing the work of Christ, okay? That's a quick commercial. I want you to be praying about that. Let's get into the office of Christ because I want you to see the next level of where we want to go. This is the next level of your personal life. We need to move on to the next level. We need to get deeper in our understanding of Scripture. We need to get deeper into who Jesus is and which direction we are supposed to go. Let's take a look at the first office, the office of prophet. Before we do that, let's read the Scriptures. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, it'll be important, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of sin, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs." Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 will be our foundational verses throughout this whole series. So go ahead and memorize those verses, all four of them, okay? Some of you think that'd be easy. Some of you think it'd be hard. I don't care. Work on it. Is he not worth it? Go to the mat for him. Go to war with him. Memorize the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Go ahead and memorize those. What we see here is the clear, clear picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And we're going to open these up and break them down as we get along. So the first part of these verses we're going to look at is the prophet. It says here, it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The first thing about a prophet is, is that a prophet, the prophet was the representative for God's word. The prophet was the representative for God's word. He was God's mouthpiece. In the Old Testament, we see Moses, we see Joel, we see all of these prophets, Jeremiah, we see them being used by God to proclaim the word and for the word to go forth and create. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And you see, I got a lot of echo up here. I don't know what's going on. I can't. All right, we look. Okay, good job. Thank you. Give the sound guys a hand. They get the flag, but they don't get the credit, okay? Thank you. Well, there it goes again. <laughs> we see the prophet being the mouthpiece of God, and when he proclaims the word, the word goes forth, and the word itself transforms, reveals, and makes life happen. And we look at back in Genesis chapter 1, and what does it say? God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, God said, God said, and light happened. So what we see is the word going forth and life happening. God has spoke uh, to us through his word, and life has happened. Now, in the Old Testament, in the old days, the Bible is very clear right here. It says, long ago, at many times, so over this period of times, and in many ways, in different avenues and different, different voices, different people, God has spoke by the prophets to the fathers. He has spoken many times and in many ways. A multitude. This is a diversity of how he has spoken and how he has gotten his message across. But it says in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You see, Jesus Christ 
is the final word. There was many prophets before, and there was many ways that that message came out. We can see it in the wars. We can see it in the promised land. We can see it in the temple. All throughout scripture, there has been many times and many ways that this same message has been crying out. It's been going out. The word has been going out, but we see in these last days, it has been through his son. Now, what we need to understand is that what does this mean now about how we understand the Old Testament? Now, this is a huge question, and I can't get into it too deep this morning, but we need to understand how then do we understand the Old Testament, okay? If Jesus Christ has really essentially done away with the old covenant. If it was done one way long ago, and it was done in many times and in many ways, but now it's done in these last days through his son, we need to ask some questions. And you as a Bible-believing people and as a logically thinking people should be asking these questions. What does that mean about the Old Testament? Is the Old Testament still important? How do we understand the Old Testament? If, does God change? We need to be asking these questions, though, because wouldn't you, if you were, especially if you were new to the Bible, if you read that, you say, long ago, God spoke in many times and in many ways, but in these last days, he has spoken through his son. Wouldn't the new newbie look at that and say, so has God changed what he was doing? See, this is why we need to properly understand how to understand these scriptures. The question then becomes, how do we understand the Old Testament? Is it, is it going away? Has he done away with it? Has he abolished the law? And what we must do is we must, we must be reading the Bible so that the Bible can interpret the Bible. Okay? If you only come to church on Sundays, now I want to push you here. I want to push you here. Heather says, not everybody can be a theologian. And I understand that. We all have different gifts. But I understand also that you must fight to be in the word, you must fight to understand scripture, and you must go to the mat to know who Jesus is because it matters. So as we open up the scriptures and we read, we understand that Jesus is, he never changed, God never changes. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's always the same. So then we say, well, if he's not changing here, what does it mean? If he's not, also Matthew 5, 17 says that, that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So we start to shape our understanding here. So we start to say, okay, well, if it's not abolished, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And we know that God doesn't change. Then what's going on here in this scripture? Because it says it was done one way long ago, but now it's done another way. So we see there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that he came to fulfill the law. And he goes on to say, I think it's in verse 18, he says, not one jot, not one tittle will pass away until all these things are accomplished. You see, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the old covenant. He did not abolish the old covenant and send it away, but he completed it and is bringing about completion. So it's not good to see the old covenant and the new covenant as, as an absolute distinction, but you should understand the Old Testament, the New Testament, the old covenant, the new covenant as a continuation and a completion one of the other. The new covenant is the completion of the old covenant. The old covenant was pointing the way to Jesus Christ. It was screaming, Jesus, 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 all funneled down into him and was completed in him. Therefore, it's not abolished that we would do away with it, but it is obsolete. Some of you should be saying, wait a second, Brian, what do you mean? 
Obsolete, that's a big claim. You just said the old covenant is obsolete. What do you mean by that? You should be asking these questions because that's a huge claim. Man could get in trouble for something like that. But let me just read you the Bible. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. Let the author, let the Bible interpret itself. Listen to what it says. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Hmm. So let's recap here. The Old Testament is not being abolished. It's not being cut off and thrown out. And God never changes, so he's not changing anything. He's not changing anything. So we understand that the old covenant is still there. It's still there. It's still important. The book of Galatians says the law is righteous. It is important. It is very important. So how then do we understand? Because now it's saying that it's obsolete. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the law, the sacrificial system, the, the, the Levitical priesthood, the temple, the tabernacle, they're all there, but they're obsolete. We see that in Matthew 5, 17 and 18 that he came to fulfill the law and to accomplish these things. So this is, this is let's put a bow on this thing. This is what I think we need to understand. And we're going to open this up a little bit further as we go back because Hear me that I am in no way saying that the Old Testament is not important. I am not saying that. I think that it is more important than any of us understand it to be, but not because of why you may think. It is not important because it is still in effect, because it's obsolete. We just read that. It is not important in making us holy. It is not important in, in, in sanctifying or justifying us from any of our sins. It is not important in that way as they saw it. It's not a covering for sin, for the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away any sin. Hebrews, we need to understand. What it is important for and what it is still there for is to point us to the one whom it always pointed us to in the first place. You see, let me tell you that the reason it never changes is because it was always doing the same thing. The Old Testament let me say that it was never, it was never intended to wash away the sins of men. Never was it intended for that. It was always intended to show us that we needed a Savior, for we could not obey the law. And the reason now it's obsolete is that it's no longer needed as a guardian. And, and all of these scriptures should start coming together to you. And I pray that you start reading your Bible. Start reading your Bible. You say, well, I read my Bible. No, 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 no. I don't care how much you read your Bible today. Read it more tomorrow. If you read your Bible every single day and you study, that's wonderful. Great. Hit another level tomorrow. I study my Bible, I need to hit another level tomorrow. I am not outside of the convicting that I am doing right now. We need to get to the next level because the kids in Guatemala deserve it. The, the law is obsolete because it's been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled, it's been completed, and it has led us into Jesus Christ who is the completion of that. And the new covenant, the completion of the old covenant now reigns true. The Bible says that we are not under the law anymore, but we are under a new law, the law of grace, which is in Jesus Christ. You see, you can never fulfill the old law, and I gotta move on for this, but you can never fulfill the old law, but through Christ it's been perfectly fulfilled in you. 
perfectly fulfilled in you. You see, the Old Testament is obsolete because it's not hanging over your head about to kill you anymore. You understand? He's made it perfect again. He has shown what it was for. The prophetic office. Uh, let's go back. Let's see. How much time do I got? Oh, look at this right here. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. This is saying that the word has gone out in many ways and in many times, but in these last days, it has gone out through one. I think we can understand that as I break down the original language is that it, it's the, the first, it says long ago in many ways and in many times, what it means is that it was, it was, it was scattered. Like there was a word here and there was a word here and there was a word here and, word, and there was a word here. But all of this language and all of this information, as you read this text, is directional. It's saying that, that, it, that in long ago it was in this way, this way, this way, and this way. But in these last days, it is in one. And so we see this funnel effect and this magnifying effect. And um, oh, I get to use my new whiteboard today. My wife's going to get me for this. I told myself, some of us are visual, so I need to be able to show you. And I know that we're running out of time, but I'm going to give God his time if you need to go understand. Y'all, hold on just a second. Good Lord. All right. I'm a visual person, so I like this. So, all right, so you got Moses, you've got uh, Jeremiah. And you've got all the prophets now, okay, all the prophets in here, but I want to leave out so you've got prophets, you've got priests, and I don't have time to go through all of them, Aaron and so on, and then you've got kings, David, uh, Solomon, and so on and so forth, okay? And all of these were speaking the word, and they were all doing, doing the things that God was telling them to do, and they were leading people in the ways of God, and it was in many times and in many ways. You see this? Many times and in many ways, it was saying, God, 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 his word was going forward, going forward, going forward, but all of these really existed kind of like a magnifying glass. How many of you had a magnifying glass when you were young? How many of you burned ants? Liars, <laughs> you all did it, you're like, watch them burn. <laughs> what, what does a magnifying glass do? It takes all of that light and all of that glory and all of that power and it concentrates it down into one place. Ooh, that's good, you getting that? And so this, all of these messages were all intended for the same thing and that was to beam everything in to the one place in redemptive history where God would come and say, boom! the man of Jesus Christ. You see, everything, this is how we properly understand the Old Testament, and we've got to break the Old Testament down. Now, we're gonna get into this, I'm excited about it, because what I wanna do is I wanna take you to Moses. We looked a little bit at it last week. I wanna take you to Moses, I wanna take you to Jeremiah and Abraham, whose son is carrying the wood up the hill, and he lays his son on the altar, and he raises the knife high, and God says, wait! Don't kill the boy. There's a sacrifice in the bushes. Jesus. 
If you can't see Jesus in the text, you're not looking right. You see, if the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce through the marrow, through the soul, all the way down to the inner parts and reveal everything about you so that you could be opened up and reborn, then we got to get to the root of that word. The gospel is powerful, able to save. Without the gospel, the word is legalistic garbage that weighs you down and smothers you to death. Amen? If you don't got Jesus, you don't got nothing. Therefore, when we read the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, you gotta say, where is Jesus? Because if you can't see Jesus, it's gonna kill you. Hey, I like my first whiteboard experience. I thought it was pretty good. And I wasn't trying to be prideful, it sounded a little bit that way. This is just cool, look at this. That's what I'm talking about. I got something else to show you. I don't know how much time I got, but I'm not worried about it. You can't, you can't sit, man, the red's the blood. Can you see that? Okay. I need to move to the next here. Listen to this. The next one is priestly office. You see, the priest was the representative of God's presence. So the prophet proclaimed the word of God, okay? And the word of God and if I had more room, I'd show you. I want to go through all these because what you need to understand is what does a prophet do, okay? What does a priest do, and what does a king do? And once you understand the magnifying effect, it all lasers into Jesus Christ. You are reborn by the Spirit of Christ, and his Spirit indwells you and transforms you into the likeness of his image. We following so far? Okay. Then you need to understand it expands on the backside to take you into the prophet, priestly, and kingly offices. You see what I'm saying? It funnels into Christ, is born into you, and comes out of you. Okay? We're going we're gonna to open this up. But the reason I say that is if you can get in the Old Testament, what do we say the three keys of a sermon are? Understanding the original meaning, understanding the greater the ultimate meaning, and understanding where we are, who we are, how it applies. Okay, so if you can understand that all of these offices belong to Jesus, they magnify him, they are completed and fulfilled in him, and then they are opened up into us, okay, the, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all these things. If then you can understand that Jesus Christ was prophet, priest, and king in the ultimate way, and we are born of Christ, therefore we are to be prophet, priest, and king, it opens up all new realms in your family. Because now you know that you are to proclaim the word in your family so that life would happen and revelation would happen. We understand that you are to be the presence, the go-between, you are to be on your knees for your family and priestly. Let me get to the priest, okay? I'm just getting excited and I can't wait. All right, the priest, the priest was the representative of God's presence, okay? The priest was the representative of God's presence. Listen to what it says right here. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Now, I didn't really get to that, but it talks about the beginning and the end. He is the final word, okay? But we're moving on. Listen to this. This is awesome right here. This, when you break this down, just listen to this. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Uh, okay, new word. Write this down if you've never heard it. Some of you have heard this before. The word for nature here, that word actually uh, could be defined a couple different ways, interpreted a couple different ways. Nature's good, I'm not saying nature's bad. But another way to understand that is the substance. Okay, it's the substance, it's what it's made out of. You may not be able to see a form. What did, what did Laura say earlier? God is, is worshiped in what? Spirit and truth. You see, God is a spirit. God the Father is a spirit. You cannot see a form, okay? There's no form that you can behold of him. He is a presence, he is a substance, he is a nature. That word there in the original is hypostasis, okay? Now, do you know where I'm going on this? A, word, a key theological idea for Jesus Christ, something that is true for him that separates him out from any other religious leader in the world is called the hypostatic union, okay? That's a new word I know, but I told you we're gonna stretch a little bit. The hypostatic union. The hypostatic union is what I'm gonna show you here. You see, Jesus Christ, I mean, sin has come into the world and it has created a gap between us and God. There is a gap between us and God, and we cannot cross this gap to get to God because we have sinned. God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. Man, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, therefore this barrier is in the way, okay? Hypostasis or the hypostatic union means that God was fully man and he was fully God. This is the joining together of the substances of God and of man. And we see that here is the reason I'm saying it. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. That exact imprint, that word there is actually, it is translated character. He is the exact character of God's substance. So this is the way it would be, that God's substance would be the stamp. And when you stamp it, you see exactly what it is but you can put your eyes on it. You ever looked at a stamp on the backside? It's like, what the heck is that? But you put it in the ink and you stamp it on the paper, you know exactly what it is. God is spirit. There, he has no form. Jesus Christ is his form. God, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And anytime in the Old Testament, this is a side note, anytime in the Old Testament where you see God becoming visible to people in a human form, it's always Jesus Christ. Okay, it's always Jesus Christ. Now that's, there's a word for that, it's called a Christophany, but it's, it's like an epiphany, you heard that? But when you see Jesus, when you see God in the Old Testament, when you put your eyes on him, you gotta be seeing Jesus. Because Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. He is, now go back one step right here, he is the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance there could be understood a couple of different ways, but radiance is, Jesus Christ would be the, the light coming off of him. It also could be uh, just as easily translated reflection. 
If you remember in the Old Testament, Moses, when he met with God on the mountain, it says that when he was looking at him, he, he caught, the, as he reflected God, as he looked at God, and he was a mirror to God. You see, God was, I mean, Moses was a prophet, and he also did some priestly functions as he went between man and God. And as he was, as he was standing there with God, he, he, how should I say, he was filled up with this radiance. He was filled up with this glaring presence. And it was the radiance of God as he beheld God's glory. And when he came back down off of the mountain, he stood before the people and they looked at him and said, you gotta go back up the mountain. We cannot be around you because we're gonna die. The glory of God cannot be among the people unless sin is dealt with. You see, Jesus Christ was a man, he was incarnated into the flesh. He was a perfect man, but he was also God. He was the exact representation of God. So we see that, that Jesus Christ is the man who was coming, but he was also God who was coming. And this is the only bridge that can break sin's stronghold and get us, man, to God, is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. And without Jesus, we cannot get to God. In the priestly function, in the priestly role, it's all, about, it's all about purification, it's all about cleansing of sin, it's all about justifying, tearing down the walls of sin so that we might be able to get to God. You see, his job is to mediate a balance between God and man, to uphold it. Numbers uh, 14, 19, and several other verses. I'm not gonna read all of that right now. I don't have time. But we see Moses going before the people who was a sinful people, but God was gonna kill the people. Yeah, we're about done. Come on up and get some of that jam going on behind me. The, the, the people were sinful and they deserved to be destroyed. The people were sinful and deserved to be destroyed, but you know what Moses did as an intercessor? He went before God and he pleaded. He pleaded with God. Aaron went, it went before the, 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 the altar and he would sacrifice and he would kill the sacrifice and he would spray the blood around everywhere. In so doing, pleading and washing away the sins of the people, foreshadowing what Jesus Christ would do. It is the purification of sin. The priestly office exists to implement the word of God for cleansing and healing. For cleansing and healing. We go on to look at the king, and I don't have a ton of time left, and that's okay. I want you to look, though, at the king, because we're going to wrap all this up in one final plea with you and with me. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature is his substance, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of sins, you see, that's the priestly role, that he would go and he would make the purifications of the sins by giving himself, giving himself up as a sacrificial offering. But then it says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. You see, Jesus Christ, if, if he, he did not just come like the Jews thought he was going to come. The Jews thought that Jesus Christ should have come with war and with power and with vengeance and with violence and absolutely destroy everybody that was in their path and exalt them immediately. But he did not come that way. How did he come? How did this king come? He came first by the word. 
And then he came through the purification of sins and as a priest, and only then did he take his reign, his proper reign over all of humanity and all of the universe. And, it, and the Bible says, because of his great sacrifice, because of what he did, his name is above every name. You see, if Jesus Christ would have come in any other way, then he would not have properly fit who should have been king. He proclaimed the word of God. He purified the sins of everyone, making him the perfect king who is absolutely the one that you need to rule your life. What king, what king is worthy to be followed that's not willing to die for his people? You see, he had the authority and respect needed to make the difficult decisions. Jesus is the true heir to the throne who does everything in proper order. Now, we're gonna get into this a little bit later on, is the, the order of prophet, priest, and king. And the reason I tell you that is, and the reason we need to understand it, if you go into the Old Testament and you see any time this order gets out of, out of rhythm, out of place, Okay? Anytime these three offices get out of order, chaos ensues. Saul was made king without the proper proclamation of God. It fell apart. Saul was the one that went before the priests were ready and they could get there and he ordered the fast and he took the bread. Chaos ensued. Joseph got a word from the Lord but instead of doing his priestly duty and being compassionate and merciful and seeking God and standing in the presence of God, just came and blurted it out to all of his brothers. And it got him thrown in a hole. So the reason I say all of this is, is that at the end of the day, we've got to be like Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, which has ties to the tabernacle. I wonder how much that meant to any of you. Offered himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's why I can't wait to get into this. Because if I could have explained that, and the, the 530 men's group has been seeing some of this, the golden offer of incense was an altar that stood right before the curtain, before you went into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And you would burn the incense on the altar and it would rise up to the nostrils of, of the Lord and it would be a pleasing aroma to him so that you could then go into his presence. You see, Jesus Christ dying isn't just some, oh, he died for my sins. Jesus Christ was the proclaimed prophet that would come and take the priestly office to purify sins on the cross with his perfect sacrifice, only then to, to rise up out of the grave and be exalted on high to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we look at this great king and we consider scriptures like Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, Daddy, you need to be proclaiming that word at home. You need to be in your Bible so that you can lead your sons and daughters and wives. 
You need to help and teach them and show them the way because we are, we are in the presence of a lost and dying generation. They care more about Twitter and Facebook and all this other stuff than they do the Word of God. It is up to you, men of God. It is up to you, women of God, to put the bread in front of them, to, to help spoon feed them so that they can get a taste of the delicious honey. And let it be savory on their tongue and, and the words of life that they would come back to, that they would draw water from so that they would never thirst again, that they would eat continually on a wonderful basis, that they would never hunger again, and that they would grow big and strong, able to defend themselves from the wolves that prowl around. But if you will not be the prophet, then who will? If you refuse because you're too busy at work, or because you're too busy on the Xbox, or you're too busy, whatever. Who will, brothers, sisters? You're called to be the prophet in your home. If you will not go before the Lord on bended knee and plead the case of your children, who will? You think prayers are a joke? You think they're, they're, they're useless? Be on your knees every day, men of God. Be on your knees every day, women of God. Be the presence of God. You see, the priest was to go into the temple and take the sins of their people with them to intercede for God and offer sacrifices for their children. Job pleaded for his children all the time. And he cried out, Lord, forgive them for sins that I may not even know that they've done. Do you talk with your children by the way? Do you talk to your children on the way to school? And listen, I've not always been the best at this, but it is possible, I promise you that. Titus and I have the most amazing conversations, and some of them are spurred on by him, and I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful. Sometimes I fall way short. Take them before the throne and plead with the Holy God. Plead with a righteous God and a sovereign God that he would open their blind eyes and soften their hard hearts. And if you won't lead, who will? Come on, prophet. Come on, priest. Come on, king. Look to the prophet, the priest, the king for your example and your victory. And as you enter into Christ, he will transform you into who you need to be. You know what? You really just need to surrender that much more. Because as you put yourself on your face and you plead with the Lord, He will make these changes inside of you. Remember, we can't do it ourselves. We got to go back to that every week. We can't do it ourselves. That's why Jesus Christ has done it. That's why the hypostatic union was needed. And that's just a cool word to say, Jesus Christ is the ultimate go-between. He brought man to God and God to man in one perfect union, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Do you know him truly? Have you laid your life down for him truly? Let's get on our face, children of God. Let's get on our face. All stand to our feet as we worship this last song. I basically give you an opportunity to respond, to repent, to do what God has called you to do. If you do nothing else, get in your word this week because it brings revelation and it will create in you a new heart. Give it to him.